This is Chattanooga Civics. I'm Nathan Bird. The city of Chattanooga has access to a vast amount of data. Traffic reports, property tax records, 311 requests, permit applications, and more are all right at the city's fingertips. But it's only in the past few years the city has thought seriously about using this data to improve services, performance, and transparency. Today we learn more about the city's data and innovation program. So I am Andrew Svigny, uh, performance analyst here at the city of Chattanooga uh, in the Office of Performance Management and Open Data. I've lived here in Chattanooga for, uh, I guess, about 11 years, uh, and uh, now I am in this office for about two and a half years. Uh, I love working in government and getting the city to be more data-driven. And um, I'm Tim Moreland. I am the deputy administrator for the uh, Department of Innovation, Delivery, and Performance. Uh, Prior to that, I was the director of Office of Performance Management and Open Data. I'm uh, what I like to call myself a recovering planner. used to be a city planner and worked uh, on transportation plans and land use plans and things like that. And doing more uh, data work um, helped kind of kick off the office, um, the Opmon office, um, didn't exist prior to. So I've got to see, I've had the privilege of seeing kind of uh, that office start from the beginning to where it's at right now, which is it's kind of fun. Awesome. Yeah. So, so walk me through uh, what does the office do and how did it start just very generally? Yeah. Okay. So the office started about five and a half, maybe six years ago uh, under then uh, Mayor Burke. Uh, and it does um, a lot of things, and I'm trying to think how to how to bucket all the things we do together. But I guess on at a very high level, um, what the office is trying to do is trying to be more citizen focused and data driven in our delivery of services to Chattanoogans. It's really about taking all the data assets that we have in the city and actually making them so that we can derive value and improvements from them to make things better for for Chattanoogans. Um, and so there's a pretty large umbrella uh, at what fits underneath that. So I'm going to miss some things and forget some stuff. And Andrew's going to jump in and correct me and tell me which ones to add. Um, but we run the city's uh, performance program. So that's thinking about what does, uh, what does performance and excellence look like in government? How do we track that and see how we're doing on that? So those are things where we set kind of performance measures and targets. Um, uh, so underneath that, we have a kind of a performance, public facing performance dashboard. We do kind of regular performance check-ins and look at numbers uh, with executive leadership, um, help build um, performance dashboards for uh, departments, but also even teams. We do a lot of kind of co-design with local teams, design data-driven tools to help them um, improve their delivery of services. So there's a whole kind of uh, data performance side of things. Um, then we have um, also a, uh, a wing that works a little bit more on the, I guess, more advanced analytics, which is our chatalytics program. That's where anyone can submit a uh, project, you know, city employee or otherwise, of a, a good project to use, kind of those buzzwordy type things, machine learning um, and other uh, kind of other data science things. 
to actually be proactive with our data instead of kind of reactive and looking back, but proactively kind of using it in a predictive manner. Um, so if we run kind of that more advanced analytics component of it. Um, and then there's also kind of a lot of um, scaling and, ups and upscaling. Um, so upscaling and scaling of existing staff. The office itself is pretty small, you know, three or four people. Um, and we kind of realized that if we want to have a larger impact, we need to have not just us doing this work, but we need to make it so everyone can do this work. So we do things like um, coaching, we do trainings, we have a data academy that we'll sometimes run people through. We have a process improvement peak uh, academy, which is trying to teach the best tools from the private sector to public um, uh, folks, especially frontline people, because um, they're the ones who are closest to the customer and also know the problems more intimately about what's going on. And also we're going to be the people who are going to be taxed with fixing them if there is a problem. So like, why not just give them the tool set and empower them to actually make changes? Um, so there's that kind of uh, kind of upskilling, empowering piece that we do as well. Um, and then there's a whole kind of open data transparency as well. Um, so that has to do with our open data site, has to do with our um, uh, public facing dashboards and visualizations, has to do with our um, open budget app and open checkbook app and just other kinds of, you know, ways to engage with the open data on top of just like, here's a, here's a spreadsheet, which most people is not gonna be that interested in. So um, that was, uh, this is the Office of um, Performance Management and Open Data. And then the IDP, the Innovation Delivery and Performance is a new department, so with the Kelly administration. So we're kind of trying to figure out, you know, what that looks like and what we're kind of our suite of, of uh, projects are gonna be moving forward. And that's still kind of a work in progress and trying to figure things out. Um, Andrew, what about what I miss on kind of what we do at OpMod, uh, that's our acronym that we use because you got to have an acronym. acronym. You got to have an acronym. If you're, if you're in city government, got to have it. You got to have it. Yeah, we um, No, I think you pretty much hit it in terms of our kind of our data science projects, our performance management, um, the open data. Open data is kind of how it all kicked off. Um, this is kind of before my time that Tim kind of shepherded through um, is really pushing open data hard and then also saying, well, I can't just put data out there. You got to use it. Um, and get departments and people to use it, uh, you know, publicly, but also really importantly, internally, uh, to get them to kind of use their, their data. Um, I think that's kind of, yeah, those are, you pretty much hit the nail on the head that peak, um, yeah, our peak process improvement class that we run, uh, we've even had, I think some council people go through, uh, it's really great kind of getting the empowering employees to actually make change. Um, and small incremental changes uh, they can kind of focus on and have control over because they are, like as Tim said, they're the ones who are going to be asked to make change anyway. So why not empower them to do it, do it on their own? We've actually uh, helped a couple other cities um, uh, like Athens, Georgia or Rock Hill, Georgia, kind of launched their own peak programs and had folks from the state and other places come and join us. Uh, so we're always interested in bringing other partners into it and kind of sharing it and uh, kind of helping other people be successful and launch similar programs out there. Awesome, so, so how does this data get collected? Like where, where are your data sources? Where is it coming from? Um, yeah, is this so that's, yeah. That's, the, that's the largest challenge is just, you know, I can give like kind of an early days perspective, but um, you know, we do have a centralized IT, which is great. So that means that helps a little bit, but 
there's a whole myriad of programs um, that all the different departments are doing. You can think, you know, code enforcement is going to use something different than public works, which will use something than uh, the land development office and et cetera, et cetera. So there's all these various systems. And typically we didn't have an easy way to get data out of all of them. So that was like the, that was the first order problem that we had to solve is like, how do we know where all the data is? So that started with a data inventory about what systems and data we have, and then how the heck do we get it out? Um, so some of our early challenges were um, working with IT and the departments to make them comfortable with us accessing the data. Um, I think we're past that now, but in the early days, it was honestly just getting access to the data was the biggest challenge because people didn't know who we were or what we were going to do with the data. And so we had to do a lot of um, trust and uh, kind of building our own credibility so that IT trusted us and also the departments. Um, it's kind of interesting. You think something data, technical problem is going to be, you know, it's, it, the, te the technical piece is going to be the challenge. Uh, and what we found is it's the relational trust piece that was the challenge and actually making sure we had access to all the data. Um, Andrew, do you want to talk a little bit about how we have it set up now and what happens with our data and how things flow? Yeah. Yeah. So as Tim was saying, um, we collect it from the systems. So, uh, you know, we believe strongly in kind of data ownership and it's the city's data, uh, that we own that, you know, when, when we have these services and, um, you know, 311 and these other things that it's like, we should be able to get it out of our system. So we put that in a lot of contracts now. Uh, but, uh, the way we do it is we essentially go creep into the back end of the data, uh, whatever it is, it's data warehouse and, uh, API, which, as uh, another way to just kind of get access to it. And um, we have a, a virtual machine that pulls this data out automatically every night. Uh, some cases it can be every hour. Uh, it just kind of depends on what data we're looking at. We have a, a Waze workflow that we pull from uh, some Waze data that we're scraping that's like every 30 minutes. Um, but it's kind of, we try to do it in this automated fashion because that's much more manageable. Because uh, I couldn't imagine just asking someone in a department, say, hey, could you just upload this every day, every morning when you wake up? Uh, so we try to save people's time, right? Uh, because right. nobody, that gives also more time for departments and ourselves to do more analysis, uh, to kind of do more of that. But there is, um, at the start, when we first go to a department, which there, there really aren't many that we don't like really have access to their data. Uh, I don't know, Tim, if you had to guess, would you say like, I feel like we've got like 85%, 90% coverage of kind of systems. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, but yeah, we, um, we get access and um, kind of work with them also on kind of what data they need, right? Because yeah, we, we try not to do just data for data's sake. Uh, we try not to say, you know, all right, let's just take this whole data warehouse of all these things and just dump it into our um, our kind of internal data portal, which mm -hmm. also feeds our open data portal, um, because that would just kind of be a little bit of a waste. You say like, what do you actually need? What kind of data is important? Um, and how can we structure this, you know, sometimes unstructured data into something that's more useful for, for you? Uh, and that can be for you with, it could be a citizen that has an open data request, could be a department or a division we're working with. Um, but that's that's generally how we kind of, kind of go about it. Um, and then having it automated is great. And of course it breaks sometimes, uh, but uh, we were able to maintain it pretty well that we can kind of keep the pipeline of, uh, of data going out there. So I think the data, it's, it's 
very interesting. It's kind of just a, in general, um, it's a, you know, it's, we call it garbage in garbage out. Uh, sometimes we'll go in and find that a, uh, a division maybe has been not utilizing their, uh, you know, their system to its fullest. And they might be putting in one thing we hate is uh, free text. So when you see, like, when you're going fill out a survey or something, and it's like, give me a, a paragraph answer of what, you know, what this is describing it. Uh, that's, that is just very difficult to work with. Um, I mean, it's still valuable, but, um, we, we do some again, and kind of like something else we do is kind of this data coaching sometimes, uh, with departments saying like, Hey, we recommend maybe you should turn these into drop downs or, uh, you know, this, put this on a map with, uh, coordinates. Um, so there's, we actually yeah. really love it when the, when the data is a little bit messy because it means there's a great opportunity to kind of have these data conversations yep. and actually get higher. Usually if the data's quality is not great, they're not getting really good um, uh, value from using the data, you know, because it's like Andrew said, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So when we see that messy data, we're kind of excited. because like, oh, we can actually help here and we can help clean this up. And it's an opportunity for folks to, you know, actually get much higher value from the data when, when they actually clean it up and have, you know, higher quality data feeding into their systems. And it makes sense too, because for most of these departments, the only way they interact with the data is through a screen where they're inputting it once or twice, you know? And so they don't see kind of the totality of what their data health looks like and how things are. Um, and so that's something we can kind of help to do. It's very kind of nerdy, boring stuff, but it really matters. Like getting, getting access to the data and getting high quality data out there is like foundational to all the data work we do. And if we didn't have these automated programs and if we didn't have these data cleanups and all these other kinds of stuff, then we wouldn't be able to do, you know, most of the data work that we are doing. So it sounds like all these departments are, are kind of managing their own data and then you're pulling it out of their system. Has there been any talk of maybe using uh, y'all's database as kind of central repository or is that kind of beyond your scope? Yeah, so I think in some ways it kind of de facto is a central repository, you know, um, but I think to Andrew's point, we really customize what we're pulling. So it's not everything. It's like the, it's the most impactful data that's most useful operationally and for what they need. So it's not a one for one replacement of like, you know, their system goes down and that's the backup. So uh, it's not that, but it is kind of the central source of truth. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to kind of look at the data, uh, we, you go to the internal data sharing site and then you can view it very easily um, mm -hmm. through that platform. And it's, it's kind of also um, removing the barrier of entry for people that aren't super tech techie or, mm -hmm. you know, instead of having to give, maybe there's a bunch of employees or at the city who are interested in some data, but it's like, do we want to give them access to the entire backend of a system? Or maybe it's just some data sets that they're interested in. Uh, that we could uh, that we could put through uh, onto our internal data platform, which you can think of almost functions like our open data platform, but for internal city employees only. So then, how you know, getting into kind of how this data is actually used, how it actually applies to the city, I was hoping you could walk through you know maybe two or three projects that have really benefited from using this data and kind of walk through what that process was like. Yeah, I can actually, I have a, one example I really, uh, I really love uh, because we didn't do that much work on it. Uh, we helped some on some data work, but it was kind of a self-driven project. Um, have you heard of a CFD Connect? 
possibly it is a um so it is the fire department uh is teaming up with utc uh and they're having actually social workers um respond to uh addresses where they see a high amount of 554 calls which are invalid assists so that's usually somebody calling because they can't you know they can't get into their wheelchair or uh, sometimes it's even they can't just put their socks on and you know basic necessities that they might have but the fire department responds and so they actually use their data um and they notice that there was just a steady increase in these calls over the years they're like we need to do something you know, not just looking at the data, but say we need to do something to change this. Right. So they, uh, they've partnered with UTC um, and we've partnered with them to kind of connect their, the program's data with the fire's data to see like what their impact is uh, as they continue to, uh, to do this program, which I think started, I want to say maybe a year ago. That sounds about right. Um, so that's been a really great, I think, use case of not just looking at the data and making a change off of it and kind of testing things, but also combining it with a, another source, which is a uh, kind of UTC's, um, their, their programmatic efforts. Tim, what's another one? It's another one you really like. Yeah. I mean, we could stick with fire. I like that. We kind of tried to do some predictive, um, uh, modeling for fires, especially commercial fires. So one problem they have is, uh, the fire inspectors have to inspect, you know, new construction, daycares, and, you know, there's a whole host of things that they actually are mandatorily required to inspect. Uh, and once they get through all those inspections, they don't have a lot of extra time to inspect the hundreds of other commercial buildings in, uh, that are out there. And so they have this limited bandwidth and a large number of inspections to do. So how do they prioritize, prioritize properly? And so we create a kind of a uh, a decision support tool that helps kind of um, help them prioritize those projects. So it looks at predicting, um, you know, fire risk associated with buildings. And then what they can use, they can use their own kind of professional knowledge um, uh, about what they're looking at. And then also the fire risk score to prioritize where they're going to do their kind of those few kind of uh, uh, inspections that they, that are not regulatory required, if that makes sense. Um, and so we were uh, we were very uh, happy when the the fire um, inspectors looked at it and said, yeah, there's there's definitely some buildings that are on our radar than some that are not. So it's like the model will actually there was some verification that from the subject matter experts. Yeah, this seems to be working, but also it gave them some additional ones that weren't on their radar to kind of uh, prioritize and look at. So now you have the different sub areas kind of using this this model to um to think about where they want to do their fire inspection. So just helping folks work smarter, not harder, um, I think is great. Uh, Cause we have, you know, like everyone else, they're got tons of work to do and not enough uh, time to do it. So um, we're trying to shift towards more of these predictive type um, uh, or proactive, I guess, uses of data, I'd say. And then you all uh, recently won an award for what works uh, gold. Can you tell me more about that and that project that, that led to that award? Yeah. Yes. The, go, go, go ahead, ahead Tim. No, go ahead. So what works cities is kind of like um, um, uh, the standard for what is what governance uh, excellence look like in data-driven um, decision-making, right? So they kind of set the standard and it's a very rigorous um, um, requirement to meet uh, the different, the different, 
data requirements they have for the different levels. Um, and um, we've been using it in the past to kind of think about where we should, where our data program should go and how we might want to improve it. So I would say there's not, um, there's not a project that gives us what works city's uh, gold certification, but what it is is our overall kind of approach and use of data as a city. So it has to do with our open data program, it has to do with our data governance, it has to do with our performance program, it has to do with our upskilling staff, it has to do with kind of our chatalytics program. It's kind of a totality of like, are you doing data work in a meaningful way? Um, and then kind of ranking you on that and seeing how you compare to peer cities and, and seeing how that goes. Uh, so that's a, that's something that we were awarded um, this year, just very gratifying to get. We, one of the few cities that kind of went first time uh, from not being a silver going straight to gold. Um, so we kind of skipped silver, which we were very just super enthused about and felt very gratified. Um, and one of the things that was most gratifying for me um, is, you know, the we had these these people um, they came in and did what they could call an onsite, but you know it's a virtual onsite because this was you know during COVID, right? right. But they did a virtual onsite where we had two full days of like just like back to back meetings with like city staff on like how to use data and how they're thinking about uh, their data work, where the evaluators were kind of interviewing all these people. And what was super gratifying for me was that, you know, to a T, every single person was talking about their data work, but in a way that was very like service driven and focused on how they provide the services to Chattanooga. Can you guys hear me still? Yes, I can hear you. Uh, yeah, you're freezing a little bit, but I can still hear you. There you yeah, go. Sorry. Um, so, uh, so, you know, the, uh, the evaluators, you know, at the end of the end of the day said, Hey, you know, I just wanted to let you know that everyone we talked to when we said, when they talked about what they were doing, it was always about serving Chattanooga, you know, the data was not the focus. The service too was the focus. And I think that he's like, that's a really special kind of component of your data program is that it's seen as a service too, and not the sole focus of it. So we, we try to continually push that, that like the reason why we're doing this is to better serve Chattanoogans. And that, you know, as soon as our data program becomes, you know, the focus is on meeting a number or just, you know, getting, um, getting uh, uh, getting the graph to look right, then we're kind of losing the point. The point is actually like, are we improving people's lives? And so we try to harp on that a lot with folks. And it was gratifying to hear that coming through, um, you know, in the evaluation as well. What else do you want to say about the evaluation, Andrew? Um, no, I think that's, that's, I think you just hit the nail on the head that it is, um, that is kind of the one comment that stuck with me too on, when they told us it was kind of just that, more focus on service and citizens using data for that, not just, hey, you did some cool analysis um, or you're like, you're really using data, that's great. It is more about, you know, having an actual purpose behind it, uh, not just data for data's sake. That's awesome. And it sounds like, uh, you know, just from my conversations with, uh, you know, I've had two interviews now with the mayor's chief of policy uh, both about the 100-day plan that the mayor released in his campaign and also about the budget. And it sounds like the administration is really taking advantage of this office in terms of uh, using kind of internal tracking for different goals. Um, and also, obviously, getting the budget out. And, you know, there's that tool now on the website that lets citizens just log in and, and walk through where each dollar is going and where each dollar is supposed to be coming from. Um, what, what are some of these kind of internal measurements that y'all are excited about project wise? Yeah. So, um, 
I think um, I'm excited about um, doing a, a little bit closer linkage between the strategic plan uh, and the performance framework that we have in place. So again, it's that linking that why to the data. So I think uh, if we can kind of roll up all the data work to some of these strategic um, um, approaches that we'll be doing, I'm excited about that. Uh, so that's something we'll be thinking about and working on. Um, I'm excited about, um, you know, Mayor Kelly really saw the value in this work and doubled down and created an actual whole department around this data and innovation work. Um, so I'm excited to see kind of where we can take this and how we can kind of take what we've done and really uh, take it to the next level and really take our impact to, um, um, to it really affects Chattanoogans in a, in a deeper way. Um, and I'm not sure, I don't know what that's going to look like yet, honestly. So mm -hmm. I think we're still trying to figure that out and see how this is all going to work. Um, you know, another thing we're thinking um, kind of, I'm not sure if this is going to answer your question, but this, these are kind of like, I was going like, what are the data horizons that we're kind of excited about and we're thinking about? Is that an appropriate way to answer your question or sure. do you want me to be yeah. more focused on kind of directly the budget performance piece? Whatever you want, Tim. <laughs> Just the data, the future of data. Future of data. Um, so I think we're, we're really excited about linked data, right? And how can we do this in a responsible way? But we have a lot of data out there now. But like, what happens when we can actually overlay not just our police data, but maybe our, um, you know, our rental assistance data or our code enforcement data or these other kinds of things. And we could maybe use it to identify when there are households in our community that are hurting and they need help. And maybe that's a way we can actually flag folks and reach out and say, what do you need? How can we help, right? Um, you know, can we share data in a, in, a, in a responsible way with partners so that they have a better sense for what's going on in people's lives, you know? Uh, talk a lot about, you know, in the end, privacy is going to be a key component and concern here. So we haven't done any of this, but, you know, with linked data and sharing with partners, potentially we could, you know, let the school know when there's some, you know, ACEs, some, advanced, uh, some adverse childhood uh, experiences happening uh, for the people who they, for, for, their, for their children, right? So if you're a teacher, um, if you want to know, um, you know, if, if, if there's a, you know, maybe there's medical condition um, and the caregiver is rushed to the hospital or something else like that, that's an, that's an adverse uh, childhood experience or if the police are called or, um, you know, all kinds of things. And so we have a lot of data that could maybe inform um, the school system and reaching out to kids. I don't know. We, again, we would have to figure out the privacy and all kinds of stuff like that. But when you start mm -hmm. to layer this data, we can get a much richer picture of uh, who's out there and also the effectiveness of the programs that we're providing as well. So I think, you know, I think we're excited about linking data in a responsible way and having that communication uh, and that conversation with the, with the Chattanooga public, kind of understand what their, what their appetite and what they think about it is. Um, and then also been thinking a lot about, you know, are there, you know, our data, our data program, we don't want it to be a kind of um, solely focused on did you meet your metric and did you meet the number? So it's kind of a strict accountability model. We're more of a learning model. So it's more about accountability for learning than accountability for meeting your metric, right? So if you're not looking at your data and you're not curious about it and you're not using it to understand what's happening and how and to better serve your, you know, Chattanoogans and we have a problem, um, less so than if like you didn't meet this specific target. Does that make sense? So I think there's going to be kind of a doubling down on that and thinking about how do we build 
a data culture that is very focused on data as a compass, not as a grade and how we can actually shift to a more learning um, organization, but do that in a way that we can do it with not just ourselves, but with our partners and kind of help facilitate that all the way up the hierarchy down to like an or like a nonprofit all the way up to like a suite of nonprofits or other um, kind of overall efforts that are going on. So I think, um, you know, I think those are all things that are on the horizon and we'll, we'll probably continue with continue to think about how we can empower Chattanoogans and staff to do the same work. Cause again, like me and Andrew, we don't scale well, like, you know, we have limited time. We're already maxed out right. with a lot of these projects, but like, it, there's nothing to say that, you know, any other city staff could not do some of the same work. And so we're very interested in like the data work, not just wholly living in the innovation delivering performance, but how can we actually like get that out into all the other departments and all the other teams? What else do you want to say about, I don't know, future budget or where we're going or kind of, I yeah. might probably too soon. There's probably a good thing to like end on, but that's kind of where my mind. No, no, that, I mean, I would say, I think the only other thing I could think of, um, yes, uh, everything about linked data, data sharing. Um, mm -hmm. We've been trying to get a hold of the state on some things to do some data sharing. Um, the, um, I'd say there's also this, this future of data that we've talked, Tim and I have talked some about, about these kind of, there are these very local problems sometimes in neighborhoods uh, and how can we get neighborhoods to feel more and individuals to be more kind of empowered with their data and knowledgeable of kind of what's out there. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily fixing problems, but kind of using data in such a way to where there's increased knowledge around it on what could be happening. It could be maybe one neighborhood, just all they care about is code enforcement. And they're like, man, this, people's grass is so high around here. And they're, they've got some, a couple houses that are shuttered and are falling apart. And it's like, how, how can we empower them with data to kind of better understand what's going on um, or try to make changes? So there's, you know, I think there's, we don't really know what it is, but there's almost, there's some sort of there, there of kind of more localized uh, data engagement not just kind of a broad, hey, here's all the, um, you know, here's all the three on one requests for the city uh, since 2014. There's like 1.8 million of them. It's like, here, go do something with it. Um, trying to be more engaged, I think, uh, with our, you know, with local neighborhoods and individuals yeah. on data um, and kind of what they're interested in. So I think yeah. that's, that'll probably be a, a future thing to see uh, rolling out, you know, probably 2022 is some more deep data engagement with targeted areas. Yeah, that's yeah, actually I, a really good lead in. Um, I was, I was going to ask about just what kind of data sets that individual citizens can use. Personally, I've, I've used it to look at the budget uh, for the past couple of years. I've been, I've been using that. And then also uh, there's a really great, the city insider, the 311 and police reports map provides a really great picture of, you know, crime and code violations and that kind of thing. And, uh, is a really good resource for just individuals who are interested about what's happening in their city. Are there any other data sets that you think are, you know, particularly worth mentioning in terms of what people might be interested in looking there at? There are so many. Um, <laughs> there are, there are the, uh, there's a system that the, our uh, smart cities has, that they have cameras and, and the signalized intersections. I think they have a about a third of the intersections now with mm -hmm. signals have these cameras that record traffic volumes 
uh, coming each way, as well as speed every 15 minutes. And we pull that data every night. We put it out there. It's a huge data set. Uh, When people, you know, are interested in traffic, you go there, go look at a, I think we call it like vehicle volumes, see that vehicle volumes or something. Um, There's, you know, police data, uh, arrests, citations. Um, You've got fire incident data, three on one, code enforcement, LDO, uh, stuff on permitting. Um, I think permitting is, I'm surprised we don't get hit up more by um, real estate agents and things asking about, because it's like, if you really want to know what's being built around Chattanooga, you should go look at our permitting data. Um, Cause it's, it'll tell you everything. Uh, yeah. If you're curious about, Hey, I saw a sign down that down the street and all it gives me is a permit number, Well, you can go on our data portal and actually go find, Oh, here's, here's what it says is going on. Um, so it's just a lot of, it's a lot of data too. Yeah, you can't it's almost get, too much. Yeah, too I, much. I was going to say this is dangerous for me. I, I, I'm going to yeah. sit down and just end up going down a rabbit hole. There's, yep. there's, there's, there's almost too much, and so I think that's where Andrew's point about kind of almost like data curation or navigation or some way of like helping folks think through what what data is there and how they can use it is is probably the next level that we're going to do with with, with this right. work. I think and there's also is, like you know if you want to know where crashes are, there's really some really great crash normalization data for all our intersections and links and also just actual locations of crashes and then some really good and useful transparency data on like the the um you know the kind of um how we do policing right so like what are the what are the um use of force and complaints and these other kinds of things that are really good for kind of accountability and transparency for the police department as well so there's just i mean there's a ton of data and i think most people don't realize that it's out there and so we're realizing from our outdoor Chattanooga, who's, who's signing up for, um, not, not there, obviously we do, we don't do PII. Uh, we don't publish that publicly, but it's just, what's a PII, uh, personally identifiable, identifiable information. So like names, you know, birth dates, social security numbers, that stuff. We don't, we don't put out there, uh, phone numbers, emails, but, um, but there is a, for outdoor Chattanooga, they have a data set on like, who's, um, you know, who's signing up for like mm-hmm. the basically not who exactly, but general information about, you know, who's signing up archery, canoeing, kayaking, whatever. So it's like who, who maybe there's some person out there in the public that's like, I really want to know. And now it's out there. So yeah. it is. So you can get analysis by paralysis. And um, I think that's or another paral- future. The other way. Not analysis. Paralysis, okay. paralysis by analysis. <laughs> yeah. But one thing we've uh, we've also talked about uh, for the open data side is, and this is also actually kind of nationwide what's happening to a lot of open data portals is like New York, San Francisco, they're, they're getting so much data and they're getting so much better at like putting it out there that they're realizing, oh my God, I've got all this data out there. I need to like figure out better tools for um, citizens and constituents and whoever to ingest it. So they're creating much more useful like guides citizens of like hey here's let's like actually put more context around data which we call we call it metadata on the mm-hmm. so it's metadata it's data on the data and it's uh, it kind of helps provide context and understanding of like what you could actually use this for um how it could this could actually be useful so that's probably one thing we'll we'll be really getting into here as a, a future future project something else too is if there if there is and it, it can happen that there's data you're looking for that the city owns, right? And it's not on there. 
there's a suggested data set page. So I think our most, like we just had one this week for uh, CARTA and uh, boardings, right? So where are people boarding the CARTA station? So that data exists, it's there. And so now we're starting to, you know, begin those conversations, think about, you know, how easy is it to get the data, what's the quality and things like that. But if you're not seeing the data and this, it's something that the city owns and if it um, doesn't have, you know, legal restrictions or PII, then typically we'll, we'll, we'll try to get it out there. And then is there any way to kind of request like an overlay of two different data sets? So if I wanted, you know, you were talking about uh, traffic volumes, is there any way to overlay traffic volumes with yeah. uh, accident reports? There is. You can see like, so you know, what's you can the correlation? Do yeah. So a couple of things like there's, you can download all the data and do your own kind of stuff on, you know, just, you know, if you are, if you kind of know those tools, you can actually sign up on the open data portal and sign in. And there's a whole suite of uh, visualizations that you can build by yourself. You can build your own maps, your own um, uh, charts and things like that. And so on the maps, you could actually overlay if you wanted to, like you said, you know, traffic volumes and crashes. Um, and so you can just kind of layer the data in that way. Um, mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a, a learning curve. There are some videos. We probably need to update our videos so that it's a little bit easier to understand how to use it. Um, and we've been thinking about like, we, so our, our, we have interns, our summer interns, their whole project was on how can we better engage folks with, um, you know, the open data platform. So, you know, we have several kind of back in our back pocket of like potential ways of re-engaging folks with the data. You know, I'm not sure if it's a citizen data academy or, you know, what, but there's, there's probably many different ways that you can, can help people, you know, gain value from it. And I think it's going to be more, I don't know. Like Andrew said, I think it's going to be more problem solution based, right? So, you know, you have a problem, how can we help you understand it more deeply? Uh, and then also help you understand like if things are improving or changing with it as well. And, and kind of see if we can help walk communities through how to use the data in that way. And I, uh, just one or two more questions here, but you, you mentioned the Chatalytics program. Uh, could you talk more about that? what that is and how people sign up and yeah. Andrew, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, sure. Um, so Chatalytics um, is, I think as Tim has mentioned, it's kind of our next step and our kind of data, data journey. Uh, we've went from, you know, just kind of getting data, starting to do some descriptive analytics and diagnostic analytics, which are still kind of just like looking back uh, and Chatalytics, we are trying to say, all right, what's our like next step with data uh, looking at predictive analytics uh, prescriptive analytics, which is all kind of about like, how do you not only, you know, know what happens, but then try to say, okay, well, here's what's going to happen. And then, you know, or how can we make it happen? So, um, Tim mentioned the, uh, the fire risk score, you know, was a chatalytics project that we, uh, that we worked on. Uh, we've done a couple others. Um, we're actually in our round two of chatalytics projects right now. One of them is around paving prioritization, which I think is always a, a hot topic, uh, in the city. Uh, so that's, that's a really fun one. Uh, and then, um, we do have on our website, uh, we have gotten a few people who have been interested, some data science -y people around the city, um, to volunteer, uh, who are interested in also helping work on these, uh, cause I think it's important also to have community involvement, uh, in these projects, uh, you know, we are, you know, the gig city. So I feel like we've got 
we've got some data science people around here that are uh, that want to get involved and you know use their data science for good. Um, so there, you know, we we accept volunteers. Um, we're still trying to figure out, I think, exactly the best way to integrate them into projects. Uh, but um, it is it is a program that people can people can sign up for. Uh, but also, you know, if you're, if they're interested in some deeper data science projects and they see data on the city's portal, you know, we're also always interested in, in, uh, kind of that kind of community driven effort as well. Um, so I think that's, that's when we get really impressed and we think that things are really cool is when we have the, uh, just community. Whenever I see anything that's linked to our open data portal uh, and they've been using our data, um, and it's like they built something out really amazing. Just like, this is awesome. This is, that's when I get really excited is, uh, is when, when that occurs, which doesn't always happen, but when it does, it's, it's a really good feeling. One other way to engage is, uh, so part of this program is we source potential projects and kind of vet them. Um, and so, you know, potentially, I think right now we're mostly sourcing from departments. There might be a way to get that from the community. But what it means for uh, data science folks, or maybe even people who are in university or otherwise looking for a good project to work on, we have like a whole kind of list of like, here's some data science projects where we've already done the vetting, know who to contact, have the data, et cetera, et cetera, kind of thing. So um, that's another opportunity for um, community members who want to engage with us. We kind of have this source list of potential really impactful data projects that, you know, we can only do one or two a year, but if there's other folks who want to come on and, and, and work with us, we can uh, we can do more of that kind of work. Cool, well, that answers all my questions. Is there anything else that y'all wanna mention before we before we close out? Couple things, uh, one's we're hiring. Uh, so we wanna, you know, if you wanna join a data-driven team, very mission-driven uh, and wanna make a difference in Chattanooga, uh, then we are looking for senior data analysts. So these folks are gonna be uh, getting to see kind of the the breadth of city government and kind of understand also being able to dive deep into some departmental um, problems as well. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. If you're, if you're, if you're a very curious individual, if you um, like solving problems, if you like using data, if you like working with people, you know, this is, these are all really, you know, it's going to be a lot of really interesting fun projects going on. So we'll be, I think we'll have several upcoming hirings uh, for that um, job, which is, which is very exciting. We're excited about, um, you know, getting those folks set up and ready to go. Um, Andrew, anything else you want to say about the, uh, those positions coming up? No, I think I've, we're just really excited for the, uh, the increased bandwidth. Um, so, you know, I think, I don't think they're doing the first reading of the budget. I think that's next week. It's yeah. the first reading and then hopefully it passes so we can hire, hire these people. Uh, that would be ideal, but I think it'll pass. Yeah, but the 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 their the job just you can you can apply for those now. Um, so yes, you can apply. Those now. are on city website. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, and I'm trying to think what else is the you know I think just uh, if you're a community member interested in you know using data or thinking about how data can help solve problems or you can use data in an empowering way to help your community better communicate your needs. Um, that's something you know we're very. Um, bought into and interested in. So um, you can also you know, reach out to us at uh, opendata.chattanooga.gov. And that's a good way to kind of, that hits up a lot of the team members. And so if it doesn't get to me, Andrew will, will apply or someone else. Um, so it's we're- just us, Tim, just the two of us. No, I was trying to make it sound bigger. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
somebody. So there's a, there's somebody else. I'll get you. We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. So that's, I think that's it. And, and then just, we're, we're really um, excited about kind of what's next for the city's data program. Like I said, you know, we're, we have uh, a really supportive uh, um, mayor and uh, leadership that's, you know, bought into this and excited about this and investing in this. And so I think the, uh, the our work's going to continue to, to, you know, be put out there and be hopefully impactful for uh, Chattanooga. And so uh, I'm trying to think what else uh, we need to let people know about. Andrew? I think that's it, Tim. I think right. we got it. I can't wait awesome. for the flurry of emails. It just, it's <laughs> already they're coming, right? I hope so. Yeah. Well, this sounds great. Thank you guys for your time and I uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chattanooga Civics. Our music was written and recorded by Kevin McLeod. If you have any questions or feedback, please send me an email at chattanoogacivics at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at chatcivics, or visit the website chattanoogacivics.com. Thanks for listening.